So we, of course, are awaiting expected indictments out of Georgia having to do with the 2020 election and efforts to stop Joe Biden's win there uh, by uh, associates of for, uh, former President Trump. And we now have significant new information about what we may be expecting when it comes to the former president's actions there and those of his associates. What can you tell us, Sarah Murray? Yeah, Brown. I mean, we have been reporting that we expect Fulton County District Attorney to go before a grand jury next week and to present her case and really craft this narrative around how Trump and his allies tried to overturn the election. We are now learning from sources familiar with the matter that she's expected to seek more than a dozen indictments when she goes in front of this grand jury. So this, I think, is one of the significant differences that we could see between her case and what we've seen in the federal election interference investigation. Obviously, we saw former President Donald Trump charged in that case, but we know that Willis has been looking more broadly beyond just Trump at sort of what was the, the kind of criminal enterprise that was working around him to try to overturn the results. And she's looked at the fake elector scheme. She's looked at efforts to pressure election officials and state legislators. She's looked at this voting systems breach in Coffee County. And there are people involved in all of those different facets of her investigation who are essentially bracing for the fact that they could face charges next week, Brianna. In the federal case, when it comes to the election interference, there is former President Trump, and then there are six so far unindicted co-conspirators, six, right? So you're talking about seven people total. Here we're talking about 12 plus. Yes, here we're talking about more people and people that, you know, if they're charged, will be named as defendants. These are not going to be unnamed people. If she moves ahead, as we expect her to, with a racketeering case, you are going to see these people named. You're going to see the kinds of acts that she believes that they were involved in. And you're going to see her lay out this narrative of, again, what she believes was sort of a criminal conspiracy to try to upend the results of the 2020 election and how she sees these pieces fitting together. Why might there be people who do not overlap, right? Why might there be people... Why might there be people who would be indicted in this case in Georgia, but they at least so far are not, but they could ultimately be in the federal case? Well, I mean, the, sh the short answer of why we might see names in Georgia that we never see in federal court is because there was a lot of crazy and specific stuff that was happening in Georgia. I mean, there were people showing up at the homes of election workers, you know, the, the people that had faced these pressure campaigns from Rudy Giuliani and others, people who showed up at their homes and tried to get convinced them to essentially admit that they took part in fraud that they didn't participate in. Again, this voting systems breach that took place in Coffee County, Georgia, this is something the district attorney has been very focused on that we haven't gotten, you know, a sense that the feds have really been focused on. And again, something that's happening in her home state and sort of in their view could fit into this broader conspiracy. So we may see names in these indictments that you would not expect to see in a federal case. More than a dozen indictments expected. And when, what are we looking at for the timeline here? I mean, we would expect this to be pretty soon. Well, we are looking at next week. There are two grand juries that meet in Fulton County, Georgia regularly. One of them meets Monday and Tuesday. One of them meets Thursday and Friday. Again, we know she's subpoenaed witnesses and said, essentially, I'll give you 48 hours to show up and to testify before this grand jury. So we should get a sense over the weekend of if these witnesses are being summoned to show up on Monday or Tuesday. And if that's not the case, then we'll be looking toward later in the week. All right, looking like a big week nonetheless. Sarah Murray, thank you so much for that new information. Jim? We are learning new details about a secret search warrant and a secret Trump campaign memo, both part of the special counsel's 2020 election interference probe. Here's what we know. Special counsel received a warrant for former President Trump's Twitter account earlier this year. 
Twitter at the time was barred from alerting Trump to that warrant. Today, we are also learning about a memo written a month after Trump's election loss in 2020. It laid out a detailed plan to overturn Joe Biden's victory in that election. It was written by unindicted co-conspirator number five, Kenneth Cheeseborough, an attorney who was advising the Trump campaign. It was the New York Times that obtained a copy of the memo. CNN's Paula Reed has been following it all. Paula, let's begin with this memo because it lays out in fairly clear terms what the Trump team was attempting to do, hoping to do in the lead up to January 6th. That's right. This is really the missing piece in understanding the roadmap that the former president and his associates laid out for trying to overturn the election. A lot of people, when they think of a memo, they think of John Eastman, another Trump attorney who, of course, authored a memo about how the vice, then vice president could help block the results of the election. But here, this memo helps us to understand how they wanted to install these slates of fake electors, if for no other reason, to at least buy them more time to continue to litigate. And according to the New York Times, Cheeseboro understood that this was not something uh, that was likely going to pass muster at the Supreme Court and that it was going to be controversial. But it really helps you understand exactly how they were plotting this out and the fact that it started shortly after Election Day. Yeah, the, the choice of the word controversial, remarkable, given they were discussing turning away electoral votes they didn't like, which were votes they lost and states that they lost with no evidence of fraud uh, and creating a, uh, a fake controversy, in effect, as the special counsel described it. Okay, Trump's Twitter account, as part of the special counsel's investigation, he got a, a warrant for his Twitter account. Why exactly and what would this cover? It's not clear exactly what they wanted in the Twitter account, but the mm -hmm. fact that they were seeking this warrant is significant, but it was such a sensitive pursuit that they wanted to keep it secret. But Twitter argued that that would be a violation of the First Amendment and the current laws that govern electronic communications. Now, eventually, the special counsel agreed to let the former president know about the warrant, but they wanted to protect the identities of the investigators who were working on this pursuit. Now, interestingly, Twitter was allegedly slow to provide investigators with what it is they were seeking to obtain. They were hit with a $350,000 fine. Now, it's unclear exactly what they obtained or how it fits into the case, but it is notable, and it's certainly something that we would expect the former president will mention in the coming days. Paula Reed, thanks so much.